Hey everyone, welcome back to Leadership Locker. I am unbelievably, unbelievably freaking pumped about this episode with Andy Frisella, CEO of First Form, founder, creator of the 75 Hard Challenge, co-founder of the Arate Syndicate, founder of Supplement Superstores. I mean, come on, man. Like, I, I mean, I don't even know what else to say, but look, if this is your first time, these are the caliber guests I have on. Okay, these are the caliber guests I have on because they're bad as fuck entrepreneurs, okay? They are truth tellers. They are here to help you. And you are an aspiring entrepreneur. You're a new entrepreneur. You're a seasoned entrepreneur looking to get more knowledge from industry experts and influencers. You're also listening to me on some of the other episodes where I'm documenting the journey and talking about places you've been or places you're gonna be or places you're at right now. So that's what's going on. And let me give you a little bit of backstory on Andy. JP Donnell, I was working with Echelon Front, uh, the leadership team there, which is, you know, Jocko Willink, Leif Babin, uh, and some others, and JP Donnell uh, was part of that crew, and I was doing some uh, content creation for them. Well, when I was down there in Austin, I was visiting Leif and JP. JP, I was telling him about my podcast, and he's just such a freaking nice dude. It's like unbelievable how nice he is. Like truly, truly humble and altruistic. And he's like, dude, you gotta have Andy and Sal on the leadership locker. Like Andy Frisella, I'm like, who? This is uh, November 2020. I had no idea who he's talking about. I think I had heard 75 Hard from my friend Eric Magano once, but uh, I, I was like, I don't even know what the hell that is. So JP takes out his phone and he sends them a text message, a video text message telling them, you know, like, hey, you guys got to have this guy on, blah, blah, blah. And then he does an Instagram story. I'm just like, what? Dude, thank you. I don't know what else to say. Thank you. So. I go to Andy's podcast because uh, JP told me about it. And I was like, you know what? Instead of starting at the last episode, let me go all the way back to the very, very, very beginning. So every time I went to the gym, Planet Fitness was kind of opening back up. Um, it had kind of funky hours or whatever because of uh, COVID. You know, every time I went to the gym, I was listening. So it wasn't, it was a very, very... <laughs> <laughs> it was very fast uh, turnaround in terms of when I, that was the first time I ever started listening to one and a half uh, times speed for podcasts. Cause I was like, all right, man, let's, let's get this thing going. But that's cause I was listening at the beginning, Vaughn and Andy were new to this. They had gotten feedback about some of the social media clips they had. And uh, so Vaughn and Andy decided to start a podcast and then away we went. And I mean, probably episode two, three, four, I mean, like right away, I was just like, whoa, this guy really reminds me of Gary, but in a totally different way. Then he started talking about Gary in some of the podcasts. Then he had Gary on the podcast, and this is 2015. And I'm like, oh, this shit all applies now, except Periscope, because he talked about Periscope like fucking no other. It was hilarious, um, but it was big at the time. So I started listening. I got all the way to about 2017 before I reached out to uh, Andy's team and was just like, Here's who I've had on the podcast. I'd love for Andy to be next. And in subject line said, Gary Vaynerchuk, Jocko Willink, Jillian Tedesco, uh, Teresa De Pasquale, and, and someone else. Now, who are those last two names? Well, let me share with you something that has allowed me to get some of these amazing guests on my show. I interview the people around them, period. So as I was listening to Andy's show from 2015, 2016, 2017, like trying to get to the present, which was impossible, I was like, who's Teresa? She sounds awesome. Who's Jillian? I love her story. Who's Ben Newman? This guy's bringing it. So I'm like, these people are fucking awesome. I'm sure nothing has changed from 2015 to now. 
So I reach out to them. I'm like, hey, I DM them. I'm like, hey, I was just listening to you on uh, MFCEO Project. And they're like, oh my God, that was five years ago. I'm like, I'd love to catch up with you. I'd love to have you on my podcast. I bet business has changed. They're like, it fucking it's certainly changed. So I have them on. So this isn't a ploy. This is literally me being like, this is me. If you listen to the Gary Vee episode, this is me determining if he's the real deal. I mean, I feel it, but if I, I could tell by the people around him, if he is or isn't, and these people are amazing. Ben, Jill, Teresa. I mean, like, dude, these people are amazing. So I validated the fact that um, this guy's a real deal. Talked to these people and they had a great time on the podcast. And then, you know, I ended up getting, uh, you know, to ask to come out to First Form. I asked to come out to First Form to have my interview with Andy. Got it show up i bring my wife and i'm just like can you operate the camera and i was like this is like huge opportunity she's like yeah of course so she comes out we have this amazing hotel right next to the st louis cardinals ballpark i think it was bush stadium and we go to first form and i had heard about first form but this headquarters is just fucking unbelievable the minute we walk in i notice how clean everything is i notice how amazing everything is the people at the front desk were unbelievably incredible and then they get dj Okay, DJ is essentially Andy's full-time bodyguard, 24-7. He controls the team. I didn't know this in the beginning, but he's an Air Force veteran. DJ is just super freaking cool. We go upstairs uh, to the conference room where we're going to meet Andy. And he goes, yeah, Andy just needs to... I think there's like someone visiting, some uh, some medical personnel visiting, and they were just going to go over something with Andy really quick. Nothing, nothing bad. And... I'm like, okay. So Andy, I think, had just finished working out. He comes in. He's like, hey, what's up, guys? He was just kind of, like, bland. And I'm like, okay. Like, he just got finished working out. Like, I, I got to make sure I bring the energy. So he's like, yeah, I got to get this thing done. And he sits down. He's just kind of just like, I don't know, just, just chilling. You know? And I'm like, he probably thinks this is just going to be some bullshit interview. And I was like, I'm going to make sure it's not. So we start talking and I talked to him about my service and I mentioned that I use a fly attack helicopters and he was like, what, no shit? And from that moment on, it was on. I mean, he, he thought that was badass. Uh, his business partners learning how to fly helicopters and then we had a rapport. And um, you know, the rapport started building. I started asking great questions. In my opinion, we had some great conversation. And of course I didn't go empty handed. I got him a fucking badass K-bar, which is a knife. It's kind of a traditional gift in the Marine Corps, and I got engraved on it a couple things for him and a little plaque that that thing hangs on, and I gave it to him at the end. And he was just like, dude, and I'll have to show a clip of you guys somewhere. Like, he gave me a hug, and I was like, awesome, man. I was really happy about it, and I told him uh, told him about the squadron and why I'm doing what I'm doing, why I'm doing the podcast, and I mean, it was just fantastic. I mean, fantastic. We talked more and more, and you know what? was 40 minutes turned into about four hours. Not four hours with Andy, but like, you know, a good amount of time. And then he had DJ take us around and DJ gave us a tour of first form. Every single person we came across, when I met Sal, when I met Emily in person, finally, uh, Emily, his wife, Sal, his brother, everyone from beginning to end was, I, I, I don't know how else to put it. They treated Ann and I like royalty. And then I met a couple people. I met Drew, who runs Arate, helps with the Arate Syndicate, which I'm in. Um, and I talked to Drew, and Drew told me the story. He's like, I joined Supplement Superstores as a joke. Like, it was just like a whatever the fuck job. Because I've been with Andy 11 years. He was everything he's ever said was gonna happen has happened. And I could see how foolish he thought he was, looking back at, at you know, how he entered 
Andy's realm and ecosystem by Supplement Superstores and now where he's at helping with so many different things. I mean, this guy's Drew is a beast. And people who've started with Andy stay with Andy. For the most part, it's insane. So the culture was phenomenal. The visit was phenomenal. DJ was phenomenal. Andy was phenomenal. I don't even know what else to say. So this interview was fantastic. Andy's going to give you perspective um, on entrepreneurship like no other. Uh, I'm, I'm not even going to try and highlight some of the things that we end up talking about, but you can just give it a listen. This is another long intro, but the story matters. The story matters. And if you influence me one way or another, I'm going to find you. I'm going to get you on the podcast. We're going to meet and we're going to talk and you'll remember me. Here we go. Well, I just want to tell you how you helped me, man, uh, like massively. Like Gary got me to a certain level, but then I started listening to you guys and I'm like, what the fuck? It was all the truth I needed to hear. I don't want to say I was playing business, but I don't think I was like in the right mindset. And I'm still not entirely clear on where this is going to go, yeah, but it's sure. going somewhere special. Yeah. You never will be, bro. Yeah, you never will be. It'll all, you'll, you'll, you'll think you know, and you'll think like I'm ending up, I'm going to end up here. Yeah. Dude, listen. I'm already where I thought I would be at like the end. You know what I'm saying? I'm fucking, I haven't even started yet. Like, dude, I'm 41. I'm not old. You know, those guys couldn't believe I was 41 today. Ron, Ronnell and Ronnie. Yeah. They're like, this dude listens to the same music I listen to. These dudes. I'm the same of, way. I'm 40. Yeah. I did the same shit. I'm yeah. like, uh, you put Case Closed on your Instagram stories the yeah, other day? one of my favorite, favorite songs. Yeah, right I was now. done at the gym the other day and I put that on. I was it's like, I'm, one, I'm so cool, man. Like, I figured this all, and then I was like, Andy did it too. I was like, fuck. Yeah. But uh, so I'll, I'll try and get into the podcast, but this is how I like to do it anyway. Yeah, for sure, bro. So I want to tell you this something awesome. funny. I, I never watch TV anymore. I'm yeah. like super fucking work mode all the time. And I was like, if I'm going to watch anything, it's going to be educational. So yeah. I watched Pumping Iron. Yeah. And I had never actually watched it, besides the clips of Arnold talking about how many times he's coming a day and shit. Yeah. I don't think so. So <laughs> there's this line, and he goes, they're talking to him. They're like, lose hungry. They're like, lose, lose. Lou Ferrigno's like really hungry, and he's, he's trying to get you, the wolf on the top of the hill. And, and then they're like, you're on top of the hill. And Arnold's like, well, the wolf on top of the hill knows it could eat he could eat whenever it wants. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. Like, yeah. it was ridiculous. He was yeah. not even, like, remotely intimidated. Yeah. So I thought about you because of this. Yeah. I'm like, he was, he was painting parking lots. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's no way he envisioned this. He probably envisioned, like, I hope we make money at some point. But now I feel like you're at this point with everything that's gone on and how big the growth has been and Arte and all these other things where you're like, I could eat whatever I want. Like, yeah. how's that progression been going for you? I would say I'm 100% confident, you know, and it's not everybody's cup of tea, you know what I'm saying? But I mean, dude, I put in the work to have that, you know, I believe in myself and I know there's people better than me, but I, I don't think there's anybody that I can't beat. I really believe that, you know what I'm saying? If it came down to it. And uh, when you're that confident, bro, like when you've, when you've been through the shit that we've been through and gotten to the point and like, dude, I've had some terrible shit happen. When you get to that point, where you start to realize, well, hey, I've already been through all this shit. It, it's very peaceful feeling. People who are not entrepreneurs don't understand that as an entrepreneur, you are, you're always living in the place of when is the shoe going to drop? Fuck yes. Right? When is the, <laughs> when is the bad shit coming? Yeah. And because we're so used to not having it. Because, dude, if you're an entrepreneur and you're starting to do your own thing, you're going to starve for a while. I mean, it's just the part of the process. And during that time, 
you're going to have all these situations where you almost made it. I almost got this, or I got, you'll have these little signs that happen. You're like, all right, I, I, I kind of see it. It's kind of like going golfing. And, you know, if you're a shitty golfer, you know, if you go golf 18 holes, you're going to hit one or two shots that are all right. Then those are the one or two shots that get you to show up the next time. <laughs> and that's kind of how entrepreneurship yes. is, where at the first, you're, you know, you might get one good shot on 18 holes and, and you're going to be like, fuck. And you're going to think about that one shot over and over and over again. And that's going to get you to go play with your buddies again, right? But 20 years later of doing that, you ain't missing a shot. You see what I'm saying? So every shot you hit is that. And when it's not that, there's something seriously wrong. Yep. So when you develop that level of skills and entrepreneurship, the confidence comes with it, right? Like, like I, I have a lot of younger guys in entrepreneurship that are, you know, they're emulating what we do and everything. And they think they're competing with me when actually I see them and I say, good, they're emulating the right thing then. They're actually emulating someone who cares. They're emulating a company that cares. And if they build their companies to actually fucking care like I did, they will have very, they will be very successful. I don't see it as a, per, a threat to my personal income. You know, they might think they're going to take from me, but I don't see it that way. You know, and, the, and, and I don't care. I help those people until they disrespect me. And then I don't help them anymore. You know, and I make it hard on them. That's why you got to always treat people right, you know, yeah. just don't disrespect them. But I, I think the thing is, you know, the main thing is, it's just like anything else. The more you do something, the more confidence you're going to have. You're just going to build it and you're going to believe in it. And the doubt and anxiety and frustration that you have when you're new in the game dissipates at the longer you go. And yeah. so it, there's a, it's a more peaceful feeling, if, if it makes sense. Yeah. But it's hard to understand when you're, when you're in the beginning. Well... I, I'm understanding aspects. I'm a yeah. young entrepreneur. Like in your words, like I'm, I'm like two years in. Yeah. This past week, like all kinds of shit shows were happening. Mm -hmm. My computer was down. I couldn't upload footage, download footage. My COO called me on Sunday and was like, hey, I'm just going to rip the Band-Aid off. We're not doing so hot. And I'm like, I was mentally prepared for this conversation. For sure. And then I'm like, all right, how much do we have in savings? And I'm talking to my wife. I'm like, maybe I should just start over, get rid of the clients I have because they're not the right clients anyway. Yeah. I, want, I hope they don't fucking listen to this. But anyway, whatever. So, Well, uh, no, look, these are all thoughts that we go through. We're just describing our thought processes. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. yeah. So, if anybody takes it personally, they shouldn't be your client. So here's the thing. I'm, I was kind of ready for that. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. But at the same time, I'm like, this is a great fucking opportunity mm -hmm. because now I could kind of get some clarity, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm actually going to see the MFCEO this week. Like, what the, what the fuck am I whining about? Like, I shouldn't even be pissed about anything. So I look at it and I'm like, okay, like that's, that's the kind of mentality that I'm telling you right now. Like yeah. if I hadn't started listening to your stuff, it wouldn't be that way. So I'm now kind of like, well, now the margins are going to be better. Now I have a better offer. Now I could do this. My podcast yesterday is top 100 global for business and education. That's I'm like, amazing. let's fucking do this. That's amazing. So I'm like pumped up about it. But um, I want to talk to you about visualization. I've never considered visualization. And you've talked about it in a few episodes. And I'm mm -hmm. like, you know, you talk about the Lamborghini. Like, I can't see anything. Like, I don't have anything to visualize. The only thing I've told her is um, I want to take our family to the Olympics and be like some patriotic, crazy, wearing every hat, buying every shirt, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, that's all I could see. I don't see first form. I don't see right. what you might have seen, the Lambos and all right, that right. and the Jets. So I'm like, okay, well, where am I going wrong? Well, it, dude, first of all, that's a practice skill, okay? It, it, when you first sit down to start visualizing, when I first heard about visualizing, you know, I was a kid, right? Like, like my dad would say stuff to me like, oh, you know, before you go up to bat, you know, think of, you know, visual. And I was, you know, yeah. fuck, I didn't know. Like, I'm like, okay. 
<laughs> you know? And so, and then, um, you know, I got into business and I, I, you know, I hear, I've heard of visual, like high level athletes visualizing mm-hmm. and things. I always thought it was kind of hocus pocus stuff, Same. but it was always the best people saying it. You know, it was always Jerry Rice. It was Joe Montana. It was these guys who, when I was growing up, were the, it was Jordan, right? It was the elite, elite guys saying this shit. So I'm like, these guys aren't just saying these things. Like, there's got to be something to it. And we started our business, and I kind of never put two and two together, you know, that that would be appropriate in business. And I met this girl who was my friend, and she was a little bit out there in terms of, like, just, like, you know, a little bit of a hippie, you know what I'm saying? In a good way. I get it. And um, I just don't know of a better way to describe it. And she started, she gave me a, the secret, the book, The Secret, mm-hmm. right? And I read it and I'm like, well, this looks like a whole bunch of bullshit. And I read it and there was a couple guys in there who were talking about quantum physics and metaphysics. And so I'm like, all right, well, I don't know anything about that. And so I started reading that and I started looking at that. And I basically learned at, at a very basic level the scientific proof that visualization and manifesting is a real thing. And so I'm like, well, fuck it, dude. At this time, I had to move back in with my dad. This is 2007. I hadn't made more than $700 a month in my business. I had to move back home. I really had nothing to lose by trying it. And, and that's where I was. And so I started doing it. And I would start to visualize, you know, I basically... I made a list of the shit that I wanted, you know, like, what, what do you want? And it's kind of cool because it was like going shopping, right? Except for you're not actually getting it, you know, and I made a vision board. I did everything they said. And, you know, I cut out pictures of the, like the kind of house I would like to live in and the cars that I would like to drive and, you know, the plane I want to own and the company I want, like all these things, right? And what I want to look like, you know, I want to be fit, all the, all the things. And that single step is something that most people never do. Most people never sit down and plan their lives. And so I think that's where you might be right now, a little bit, in terms of that way. But everybody goes there. And that's a hard, it's, a, it's an exciting thing, but it's also a weird thing to sit there and say, well, I'm going to cut out a picture of what, like, it sounds, especially after coming from a background of reality where you're, you're in the military for 17 years, you're a helicopter pilot, you've done some real things. It sounds fluffy and unrealistic. 100%. Yeah. I thought the same. Well, I, let me just say this. I just don't want it to be about money. But I, like, you know Billie Jean, of course. Yeah. Billie Jean is always the guy who's like, money can't buy you happiness, but it's a down payment. And That's I'm like, right. I, and I'm like, I get that. Yeah. I just don't want to, every time I think about the money, I fuck myself. Yeah, well, so I started visualizing. And dude, at this point, I didn't have shit, right? I didn't own anything. I didn't own anything. Um, I own my company, you know, but that was, that was negative. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, I visualized a very basic vision for myself, which was, well, now it's basic. Then it was enormous, right? But it was very simple things. It was, I would visualize driving up, getting out of a Lamborghini onto a private jet. And then I would visualize, have this vision of all these people cheering for me, okay? And I thought, well, what the fuck, man? You know, cheer, if they're cheering for you, you probably did something good, right? And so that's, those are it. That's all I, I thought about. And that was 2007. I didn't have anything. By 2011, I was doing that shit. You know what I'm saying? I had the Lamborghini. I was flying on private jets. And so a big thing about visualization that people really screw up is that they, they don't actually visualize the end result. They start to see the end result, and then they stop that, and they start to 
think of the plan to get there. When visualizing should be about the end result. And the rest of your day is about the plan and the execution of the plan. But visualizing should be a fun thing. It should be a thing where, and this is a lot of people mess this up because they start thinking, and I'm using material examples, sure. right? You know, they start thinking of a plane and then all of a sudden they, they stop visualizing on it and they start thinking of how, the, how they can do it. And then they talk themselves out of it because it's so, it's so absurd to think about. So you have to dedicate that time consistently to actually visualizing, not to figuring out the play that's going to, you have to run to get to that result. And so, you know, a lot of people won't do it. And not only will they not do it, but what they don't realize is that the law of attraction is actually working whether or not you're consciously practicing it or not. So a lot of the things that you have in your life right now, no matter who's watching or who's listening, are things that you actually manifested without being aware of, okay? These are things you focus on. These are things you think about. These are things that you thought about before they actually came into your life, which is why you have to become aware of these things because if you're not aware of these things, you're going to attract a whole bunch of stuff inadvertently, right? And you're like, well, how did this all come here? Well, if you actually audit your thoughts and think back, you were probably focusing on these things in some way or another. And, and that's what becomes your life. And so whether or not you want to be, you know, a billionaire or, or you just want to be a regular dude, you know, that cuts his grass on a Saturday and drinks beer, there's nothing wrong with either of those. But you have to think about what you want and the universe will actually deliver it. And so my whole goal with talking about visualization is, one, I know it works like 100%. You couldn't, that one little thing is, is like one tiny example out of a trillion. Yeah. And uh, I could tell you that the more you do it, the, the, the faster you can bring things into your life. I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying yeah. to get in the routine, but it's, yeah. it's, it's just odd. Um, yeah. Another thing I wanted to cover that you have imparted, and I've stolen this line a million times, is the values created in the inefficiencies. Yes. Well, let me tell you exactly what my experience has been. When I bought your book, I got a note. Mm -hmm. When I bought your book, I DM'd a dude. I'm like, where can I get a training plan? He got back to me within 24 hours. He's like, hey, sorry, I was working out, doing this, doing mm -hmm. that. I ended up getting some protein powder. I got a fucking note for that too. Mm. I'm like, that's super inefficient, right? But mm. you, you stick to it. So I never had a newsletter or an email list or anything until recently. Mm. So I have all these connections on LinkedIn. I'm like, I'm just gonna voice message them. And my wife is like, just send messages. Just send a message. I'm like, no, no, no. It's gonna be better if I'm like, hey, Andy, blah, 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 blah. And the response rate is ridiculous. It's, I guarantee you it's five or six times what you would get out of a type yeah, message. Yeah, like, I was so happy to get that. So. Talk to me uh, or the, the other people how there's not a lot of room for inefficiencies when you're starting out and you're like, dude, razor thin margins, if any, why would I take the time to kind of be inefficient? Because when you're, when you're broke, the inefficient process is really all, it's a human resource. So it's really when you don't have anything to invest, you're doing everything on your own anyway. So first off, two points to that. One, the lack of resources is what causes people to be creative, okay? And when you're creative, how can you provide value? Well, you can provide value with you as a human, right? So how can you leverage that? And that's kind of where that comes from. So if you're, and this is important, and the second reason this is important, because you don't have money to spend on advertising. So we have to connect, right? In some way, shape, or form. And a lot of people screw up their business because they want to collect a thousand customers at once or a hundred customers at once because that's what the, the gurus tell you is you're supposed to do. That's not true. If you want to build a fucking empire, it's one person at a time. And so 
I make the investment in you and vice versa. When you talk to me about Gary Vee, what did you tell me about Gary Vee? <laughs> you said he's the busiest guy I know, but he made the investment in me and was the present when, nice. I, when I got my 30 minutes. Yes. Yeah. People like that understand Nuts. this. Yeah, I never forget it. Yeah. Right. And never ever. He knows you won't. That's why he's doing it. So, but there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's just the right way to be. And so you have to understand that uh, in the beginning, we have to be inefficient to create value because we don't have the money to create value, yes. right? The second thing, though, is that you, you're you not trying to stay small forever, right? You want to grow. You're planning on having some employees. You want to build a brand. You want to become better and bigger. Well, you have to set the example for the culture that they're going to have when you have all these people. So really, you know, it's much harder to be five or 10 years in and try to realign your culture than it is just to do it for yourself when you're a one or two person operation. And then people come in and just see how you do it. And then they adopt it right away. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? 100%. So, so when you're inefficient and you develop these inefficient processes, when it's just a one or two person show, when you get a three person or four person show, they come in and they didn't, it's not inefficient anymore. It's just how we do shit. Well, and they don't know any better. They're like, that's just how it is. That's right. And they see you do it and they see your wife do it. And then all of a sudden they're like, okay, well, this is how we do things. Mm-hmm. And then the culture starts to move the right direction. Hey everyone, look, quick break to tell you that this podcast is sponsored by Rocket Station, who helped me find and have my VA who's been with me a year now, who's completely transcended this business by organizing so many different things, taking on so many responsibilities that you would think are outside of her scope. Ellie is a blessing, and because of her, I'm gonna end up getting more VAs through Rocket Station. And here's what I can tell you, like she's badass, okay? Like period, point blank. But the support I've gotten from the, the rest of the Rocket Station team, hey, how's Ellie doing? Let's have it a performance evaluation. Other people checking in to be like, what do you need? Are we doing a good job? What complaints do you have? How can we support you further? Do you want her to work on this holiday? Not to mention the rate is fantastic. Look, I'm sorry, like I'm just gonna say it. The rate, I'm, I'm paying $10 an hour for a full-time VA. And virtual assistant is the understatement of the century because she has her hand in so many different intricate parts of the business that allow me to focus on what I'm looking at right now, which is a board full of about 21 names of warm leads that I have right now. And that's what I need to focus on, not anything else. And that's what she does. So the support is insane. She is insane. And if you listen to the show, you can receive $500 off your process development setup. Okay, this is essentially where they're gonna deep dive with you on everything about you and your business to determine your needs, and they're gonna set out the processes of what you will need or would need a VA for. So $500 off that. If you wanna talk to them, you're gonna do one of two things, okay? You're gonna hit up discovery.rocketstation.com, okay? You can check them out. Or you go to brooks, B-R-O-O-K-S, at rocketstation.com, and look, you're an entrepreneur if you're listening to this show. And maybe you're not an entrepreneur and you could still probably use a virtual assistant. Regardless of whatever it is that you need help with, you better freaking reach out to them because they're going to bring it. They are incredibly thorough. They're very affordable. They are dedicated. Oh, and by the way, yes, I, I believe the majority are overseas and they still work my hours. My hours. I set the hours. Okay, even though there's a time difference, which is a testament to her. She crushes it. 
So get in touch with the Rocket Station. Stop doing too much. It's killing your business and it's killing you. Let's get back to the show. In one of your podcasts, you talked about how you were allergic to onions and you were with your ex-girlfriend and she fucking pulled some shit like, don't ask them to take it off or whatever. And then I connected that to a way later podcast where you're like, if you're not self-aware, you will you will by default when it's over. Yeah. So I think it's moments like those that are really important. Like I left, I moved in with her parents and our daughter and our dog from this big house in Austin into the basement. I'm like, fuck it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I got to be self-aware. Like I have to test out what I want. So at least I'm doing something I want because yeah. the money doesn't matter. For young entrepreneurs, veteran entrepreneurs, or people who are aspiring, how important is it to have that kind of self-awareness to be like, I'm going to test out things until I'm where I want to be. No one, a lot of people just go where they think they need to go. Well, I think the biggest thing to understand is, first of all, you're going to be humbled a trillion times being an entrepreneur. So if you're not okay, you know, having to make decisions where you take steps back, you're going to have some very difficult times. Um, If you're just okay and like you understand that it's three steps forward, one step back, you know, you're, you're kind of okay with it. You know what I mean? So... That's the first thing I would say to the the younger entrepreneurs. But I think, you know, the big thing that people have to understand when it comes to, you know, building anything is that when you take these steps forward, they don't always look like steps forward. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So so when I moved back in home with my dad, that was a step forward. Yes. But it didn't look like a step forward. It looked like a step backwards. You see what I'm saying? And so so you have to really kind of reevaluate the perspective of how we see things, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like I'm taking a step back to take 10 steps forward. That's not really a step back. It's a step forward, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't know. I think it's a perspective switch. Yeah, I just, I think what I see and what I used to feel was sometimes there's logical choices that present themselves, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily consistent with what mm-hmm. you want. Mm-hmm. And clients are an example of that. Sometimes you'll take on a client who's obviously the cheapest paying client and they want the fucking most and all that other stuff. And you're mm-hmm. like, why? why? How did I get into this situation? Why didn't I ask enough questions? Why didn't I see the red flag? So- I'll, I'll tell you why. I can already read this on you. You have a hang up about money right now. I can tell by the language that you use. You feel like there's a little bit of immorality to having a lot of money. And dude, you have to cure yourself of that. If you don't, you'll never make any. Because what's happening is you're putting out a vibration. This goes back to our question before. You guys, all of you listening, I'm going to teach you something. First of all, money is a great fucking thing. And anybody who says it isn't, they don't have any and they've never had any. You never hear someone who has money say it's a bad thing. It's always people who don't have it. And it's always people who've never had it. And they always point to that one guy, right? Oh, the one guy, he made, I knew him. You know, and he blew up and then he got hooked on drugs and, and hookers and then now he's miserable. Like, that's the same shit we hear from the media. The media does not tell you ever anything like, man, look, this guy went out or this woman went out and they built something and they're happy and they're helping these people. And, but I'm telling you, you can help a fuck ton more people than, with a lot of money than you can. So if you really want to help people, you'll go out and make money. It's, a, it's, it's connected to good, Okay. It, money does not make the man. It just gives you the, the options to be the kind of man you choose to be or the kind of woman you choose to be. So you have to let go of these thoughts that, that people who are not vibrating on that same frequency of abundance and instead, you know, because dude, I'm telling you, there's so much money to be made out there and you could do so much good. And once you free yourself from the mentality of money's a bad thing, or even a questionable thing, bro, money comes, man. 
You know, and I, I really truly believe that a big thing that holds most people back in business is they come from a family where the mom or the dad criticized successful people, where they said, you know, oh, that's just some rich fucker, or that's, you know, he doesn't care, or they step on people. They've been told this, right, their whole life growing up. And it's hard to think outside that if you've been told that your whole life. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, we, so I'm a first-generation American. Yeah. It's interesting you say that. I talked about this with Gary once. I was like, I want to just crush my parents. And, yeah. and you know what I mean? I like, it, yeah. and, you know, like, I just. That's our job. Yeah. It's, our job is to surpass our parents. That's the best way to honor them. Yes. And the generation is better off, yes. right? Like, first dude in the Marines, first dude with the college degree. Like, I'm like trying to set these milestones. And it wasn't that they were negative. I just thought entrepreneurship yeah. or actually doing amazingly well in, in a company was never a thing. I think they yeah. kind of like had their yeah. glass ceiling or whatever. And I think that's the same thing with kind of veterans. And we were talking about this. When we transition, it's really hard to think like, why would I not just go insert myself into a company, which is a great safe decision, than yeah. actually ask someone for money doing this product or this service? Like, it's scary, especially because you have to talk about yourself so much where yeah. we come from a place where it was, it's all about us. Yeah. Right, yeah. not me. Yeah, but now I'm the one trying to be like Andy. Check this out. I can yeah. do your LinkedIn. I get for that. You. That makes a lot of sense. I never thought about it like that. That's Super a really difficult. Good point. Yeah, like it's never about us. Yeah. So that's that's certainly a challenge. But remember, being a great entrepreneur is also about us. Mm-hmm. It's not about me. Mm-hmm. You see, I didn't build this shit. <laughs> These guys built this shit. Yeah. All I did was show them the way. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And now all they're buying, they're all having you know families and buying houses yeah. and having, you know, like, dude, that feels good. Yes. You know what I mean? And so it's, I understand what you're saying though, a hundred percent. I love veterans, man. And I love helping them in this way. One of my favorite public speaking gigs that I ever did was I spoke at Sundance Film Festival to a group of veterans who were transitioning from military into entrepreneurship. Really? It was really, really cool. That's insane. Really cool. Well, I told you, I had 17 years, got an MBA. I all I got, the only job offers I got were shitty sales jobs with ridiculous base salaries. And yeah. I, I was I was there going back and forth like 20 emails just trying to get an extra 5K a year. Yeah. Something like it was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So if I knew what I knew now, I would have jumped into it. But there's so many of us that are just like, I'm just gonna go the safe route. Like yeah. I, they're relieved when you get an offer letter. You're like, I'm yeah. fucking taking it yeah. because I had a good lifestyle mm-hmm. and I want to maintain it. But um, I want to get into a couple other things. She mentioned something really funny the other day. We were listening to uh, one of your episodes, recent ones. You're talking about a business friend or someone who says, the business is booming. I don't have time to work out. Mm-hmm. And then you started going into this whole thing. If my body and my mind were aligned earlier, I might be a billionaire by now, not just would, a whatever. I would be. And, and, yeah. and I'm just bringing this up because she's like, I'm so curious. Why is it that successful people like you and everyone else, why is that always in hindsight? Like, had, you know, had, you had to do what you had to do to get that, those hundreds mm-hmm. of millions. So how do you know? Yeah, I, you know, I think we're always learning, right? Like I'm learning new things every day. Every single day I'm trying to get better and learn things. And, you know, I, I know I can't speak for everybody, but I do agree with you. Like a lot of guys who are older, they now carry them. Like Ed Milet is much better now than he was at 35, right? But I think the reason that we learn that as we get older is for, for me, okay, I think, you know, you start seeing the numbers tick up, right? You're like, okay, I'm 38, I'm 39, holy fuck, I'm 40, right? And you're like, I don't have that much time left. And so for me, I'm thinking like, okay, I can't become this like old fat guy who, you, you know, and, and like, I think the scarcity of time sort of pushes people to be better. And then you start to realize how much better you can get 
And then you think back and think, fuck, if I had been this good back then, how good would we be? Yes. And, and that's kind of where I think that might come from. But I could tell you this, that wasn't a thought in my mind when I was in the middle of- Exactly. Yeah, so I understand <laughs> both sides. I was the guy who would work myself into delirium and then go eat 15,000 calories and drink myself to sleep because it's the only way I could sleep, you know? And so I understand that 100%. This is probably the most optimized I've been where I'm saying mentally, physically, everything in my entire life. And dude, I would eat that dude, that dude back from 2015, 14, 13, that thought he was hot shit. I would kill that dude. Like, and it would be like this. And I think that's where that, that's where you know how much better, you, that's where that comes from, where you just know, like, fuck, if I had only been like that, then, you know, yeah. it's I, a little I, bit of regret, dude. It's one of the only things I really regret. I think about it all the time yeah. because I, I usually say to people who I'm trying to like mentor or whatever, I'm like, I'm way better than I was yesterday. Yeah. I could literally feel the progress, but like doing 75 hard, I haven't Isn't had a drink awesome in two feeling? years. Yeah. yeah. I, I literally quoted when she quit, you know, my, my COO, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm literally in the, a statue in the storm right now. Yeah. Like, I'm just kind of like, all right, yeah, we'll be okay. But yeah. um, I want to talk about your dad. You said he's obviously, he was an entrepreneur. You were doing entrepreneurial shit since you were young. Yes. Again, I want to kind of rewind to like, what if you're 38 like I was, or yeah. what if you're getting out like I was, and you didn't see any of that. Yeah. All you saw was hard work. Yeah. You were part of a big team, mm -hmm. very structured, mm -hmm. and now you're thrusting yourself into it. The good news on that is... One, so that's where my mission comes from. Yes. Like I realized that I thought everybody grew up with somebody that knew some stuff about business. You know what I'm saying? Like I would think your dad would teach you the same things. And, you know, I was very fortunate. Now my dad never financed anything we did. In fact, by the time we were starting business, he had already lost most of his money from the business that he had before that. But he was very, very smart. And, and, and if, if, if social media was uh, a thing then, you guys wouldn't know me, you would know him. You know what I mean? And that's the truth. So I was fortunate enough to learn all these things and, and for a long time I took them for granted. I'm like, yeah, no shit, dude, that's what you do. And, but I hadn't, it wasn't until I met Vaughn that Vaughn kind of was like, like I saw Vaughn was hearing this, what I was saying and being like, fuck, I never heard that. That's not normal. Yeah, and, so, so <laughs> yeah. I, and that's where the idea for the MSCEO project started. It was, it was we're going to start a project about how to become motherfucking CEO of your life. And, uh, you know, to be real, dude, I kind of missed doing that format of show because I loved it. But I started to understand that it was an obligation for me to share that information. Yes. yes. So, so to answer your question, you're 38, you're, you've never been exposed to this. The good news for you guys is that there's tons of great people out there who are sharing the kinds of things that you learn from me or from Ed or from Gary and a number of other guys who have truly built things in real life that are willing to share with you how to do that. Yep. Now, the problem with that is there's also 400,000 knuckleheads that haven't built shit telling you other things. And so you have to learn to decipher between where is the real stuff and where, where isn't it? And that's hard for someone who's never, ever heard any of it, yep. right? So we have to be careful who we listen to and how we listen to them because there's a lot of bullshit out there. Uh, but to, to your point, 30 uh, years ago, 20 years ago, for a guy that was 38 years old coming out of the military, bro, you, that was it. Yep. 
You're going to get a job at Amazon or you're going to work at Starbucks or you're going to get a job in construction. And very few of them will go out and become entrepreneurs because the information wasn't even out there. Like it was like, you know, you could go read a Tony Robbins book, which I did. I mean, Tony's one of my huge influences on my life. I read everything he wrote. You know, but who else is, I read Warren Buffett. I read about like some of these other guys that build businesses, but you know, they weren't online, like literally telling you how to do shit, you know? And so it's a big, there's a huge advantage for anybody who is 38, 39, 40 that wants to get into this because the information is available now. And then the other thing is, and this is place to, this place to that same person, to you and you guys listening. The technology that's available today allows us to be successful at a much quicker rate. So we can scale at a much faster rate because of the way that we communicate. You have to remember, when I first started business in 1999, there were no social media. That wasn't a real thing. You know, there was chat. There was the internet. But, I mean, the internet was not made for what it is now. And so, you know, we're sending letters back and forth or faxes, (laughs) shit like that. You know, I had a motherfucking beeper, you know, like... Same. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is ridiculous. So like, so like the, the opportunity because of the technology is so great that the person who's 40 years old, they don't have to settle for something, you know, if they're willing to put in another four or five or maybe eight years. And bro, I'm telling you, you know, 48 sounds old, but it's not that old, you know? So the technology's there, the information's there, the opportunity's there, especially because now in culture... It's not cool to be rich or be powerful or be this or that, right? That's villainized now, which means a lot of these younger kids that when I was in my 20s were trying to start businesses because it was highly competitive and they wanted to win, that generation doesn't have that anymore. So what's that mean? Well, there has to be winners. There has to be business. There has to be businesses. There has to be entrepreneurs. That means the opportunity is wide open because people aren't fighting for it as hard. So if you're a 38-year-old veteran right out of the military, bro, fuck, you have a great opportunity the way I see it, you know? And the thing is, a lot of times with the older people, you know, when I say older, I'm talking 40, right? We tell ourselves this idea that we're too old. And if we put time in now, you know, it's not gonna pay off till, till I'm 50, right? Well, let me tell you something. Bro, I've been broke most of my life. I've had money for, you know, I don't know, seven, eight years. It was the best fucking seven, eight years I ever lived, motherfucker. So if you're 50 and you're 40 and you can't work till you're 50, bro, you got 20, 30 more years of life. You know what I'm saying? So let's keep this in perspective here. There's a couple of things I want to say, and I I want to be respectful of your time. One is... Uh, and this is going to sound self-serving, but that's why I do the podcast because yeah. I'm like, number one, I don't want veterans on the podcast. I've yeah. had Jocko on. Uh, hopefully, David Goggins here in a, in a, in a month. But uh, aside from that, I, it's like an echo chamber. I'm like, yeah. look, we need to get it straight. No yeah. chaser from guys like Andy yeah. and whoever. But then I do solo episodes, and I started noticing that those do well. All I'm literally doing is talking about what's going on in the yeah. business. Open book, right? <laughs> like, well, this sucked, and I lost this, and I did this, and I, I fucking gave a discount for no reason here. Yeah. Whatever. Those video, Those started doing well. So then I put a little bit of money behind it, and now it's like exploded. Yeah. I'm like I can't believe those are doing well. Why do you think that is? Because you're documenting the journey. It's the yes. truth. You you helped get me there. So that's yeah. a big thing. And the other thing, when you were talking about forty, thinking about fifty, the pressure's on, right? Like you look at it like an hourglass. Like this has to happen in four years. Look at all these other fucking people doing it. When it's it's I, irrelevant. I know yeah. It's total bullshit. Yeah. I'm, I'm like long game. So, yeah. but dude, I, I would say 
for you, you know, and these guys listening and the girls listening too. Uh, when I say guys, I mean, yeah. you know, it's just how I talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And not that I give a shit if you're offended or not. I'm just being honest. You know, you, what I said, I would put a lot of stock into what I just said. The last thing I said, the last seven, eight years where I had the ability to do whatever the fuck I wanted were worth every bit of getting my face smashed in along the way. And it's hard to describe unless, you know, you've lived it, but I'm telling you it is worth it because dude, I'm able to do anything I want, which dude, the funny thing is, is I don't really do anything. You know, DJ's with me every single day, 24 hours a day. How many times have I left my house in the last year besides to come here? Last year it was like four. Four times. Let me just say something. You said, you said once, to all the people who want to retire early and go like live on a beach or whatever. They won't make it. Real ones, exactly. They won't make I, it. I already know I couldn't do that for more than three days. No. And I don't even have like a fucking booming business. Yeah. I'd love to spend time with her. Yeah. Shit, like I would go crazy. That's yeah. how I know I'm in the yeah. right place. Yeah, but, you, but it'd be cool to take a whole bunch of three-day vacations. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that's the thing. And like, we, we have to remember that, you know, our life is our life. We design our life. We design what we want. Money is not a bad thing. It's a tool. Okay. And I really do not like enjoy what I could like, fuck dude. I'm telling you, I could be on a yacht in, in Greece, dude, like literally the whole year. And I don't, I, 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 I love what I do. I love coming here. I love the people here. And it's so fulfilling because we're able to help people. We're able to change people's lives. We're able to contribute to real charities and, and big amounts of money, you know, we give away millions of dollars a year. I give away millions of dollars a year, personally. I mean, that shit makes a huge difference, bro. And so when you start to really see what can be done, now I'm not saying I don't like nice stuff. Everybody knows, like, dude, I like nice shit, okay? But I, all, I like way more than that. I like seeing my guys proud of their homes and proud of their cars and proud of their ability to take their families on a vacation. And then our ability to, you know, what we do for the kids in Haiti with 30 for the kids or our local communities or where, I mean, dude, like, dude, when people need help, we can help them. And it's, dude, it's the best part of it. Yeah. It really is. And that alone, aside from, you know, what people think success is, you know, a nice house, cars, blah, 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 blah. It's a hell of a nice feeling to know that if someone walks through that fucking door right there, there's really only a few things that I couldn't help. You know what I'm saying? That's a pretty powerful thing. All right, everyone. Thank you so, so, so much for listening to the episode with Andy, the MF CEO. I hope you enjoyed it. As you know, he is real as can be. Uh, he brought it. Look, share this with other people, okay? <laughs> share this with other entrepreneurs who need to know about him, who need to listen to him, who need to follow him, all that. Leave a review for this episode, okay? If you ever listen to any of his shit, all he did and all he ever does is say share it and review it because he knows the deal and I know the same thing now that I've been podcasting for almost two years, which is that's what makes this thing go round. That's what helps it reach other people. That's what continues the growth. And if you want me to be able to help other people like you and other entrepreneurs, and that's what you'll do, all right? It's an easy request. More importantly, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. I could tell you I never even knew that owning a business, running a business was ever anything that was gonna be something that was even just an option in my lifetime. 
And because of guys like Andy, because of guys like Gary, who you heard earlier this week, it's coming to fruition and the sky is the fucking limit. See you next time. Thank you.